Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Brinton Williams. I'm Tom Annis. And I am Jeremy Duvall. Excited here with the Mega Minds, as I have dubbed them. Uh, we have the one and only Dojo's Everyman, the Spymaster, Handsome Tom Annis. How are you doing, Tom? Great, great. Um, thanks for having me on. I'm excited for, for Masters coming up and excited to talk about it tonight. Yeah. And then I have Brenton, the uh, the great abandoner, as I have dubbed him, now that he has <laughs> moved on to, to sunny San Diego and left. That is a, like, I'm definitely losing in the nickname game here. <laughs> Like Tom gets hyped up with all these nicknames and I'm like, oh, I wonder what he's going to come up with for me. And he's like the great abandoner, <laughs> the betrayer. <laughs> I, I just made sure I took a picture of the one tear that came down my eye when you moved. And then I'm just going to get it tattooed on my face, like in that Johnny Depp movie. I'm <laughs> like the one like, tear on my cheek. Sounds uh, fair. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. So it just makes sense. Yeah, I'm just excited to have both you guys on. You know, um, everyone, I think a lot of people know your guys work on Dash 28. And uh, I think sort of Britain and Tom have kind of taken on these roles, especially in the blogosphere. I don't know if you what would you call it are the the textual landscape of the Kings and War uh, community, especially around tournaments, as having like a really interesting insight. Um, if I was ever to open up up a meme factory, I know Britain would be like my executive vice president in charge of marketing. Uh, always always picks the best the best memes. Um, yeah, I think we're just we're just I mean, I, I don't want to speak for Tom, but like I think we just think about Kings of War too much. Yeah. And and yeah. that eventually needs an outlet somewhere. There's only so many like group chats and uh conversations with sort of random folks, especially when we've been locked in our house and away from the game store and away from events. And it it just has to find an outlet and a healthier outlet than trying to talk to my three-year-old or my uninterested wife seems to be writing articles. So, <laughs> well, that and Jake, uh, Cherapika periodically threatens to kick us out of the, the writers dash 28 group. If we don't publish something. So every, yeah, months, we got to come up with, uh, something to say. I really like the writer's chat. Um, so I don't I don't want to lose out on that exclusive access. So I, ha I have to write things periodically or he'll, he'll throw me out on my ass <laughs> well i mean i got to get in this group just so i can get in there for the mike atkins dash 28 masters dinner special um i gotta gotta get into that elite that elite best best of the best group yeah he was talking about opening up a dash 28 only fans page the other day so huh? you know who knows well, well and now we're talking my language so <laughs> once we get into the only fans no, i don't know i don't know anything about that there's already uh, a dojo one it's called only spams <laughs> only spam <laughs> and uh just for everyone it, it, there's the the page with dustin flipping tires with no shirt on you know <laughs> yep <laughs> something for everyone um, no, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I write all, all day, every day for my job. So, um, 
it's a good outlet for me to write about something that's not as boring as my work. So uh, I, I enjoy it. It's just I don't always get the time to do it. Um, I wish I could write more because uh, Britain's right. I I think about the game way too much, which um, you know, hopefully leads to some interesting articles every once in a while. But uh, I think it's cool. You know, we have we're going to have some special coverage coming out for our episode 500. And one of the themes that I see sort of in a lot of the when people are reflecting and kind of looking back over the last few years on Kings of War is sort of the maturation of the hobby. Right. The maturity, the communities come a long way in the last five years. And I think you see that evident in just not just raw numbers, but you see it right in um uh, content spaces like blogging or YouTube video or whatever we have. I mean, compared to what there was five years ago, right? We see a lot more now. Yeah, absolutely. And like the the sort of take I can have from it is is Masters. Um, I remember uh, a much, I think it was the Masters, Pat Allen one. Um, and uh, I remember sort of like a couple of the lists popped up on Facebook and like there was talk about what happened and and you could sort of piece it was like this event shrouded in mystery that like i was i was trying to get information on because i had sort of i was in that phase of your kings of war journey where you're just like consuming everything you can but you are entirely lost um mm-hmm. and and i remember just being like oh my gosh there's a masters who what lists are those and just hearing about some of the lists and being like what that's even possible and now I look at it and it's like, we have a Dropbox with every list. We have coverage breaking it down. In previous Masters, we had like live coverage at the tables with breakdowns. We have podcast recordings. We have podcast recordings with winners. We have like so much coverage from so many different sources of the same event that was so shrouded in mystery five years ago. Um, it's really amazing growth. Yeah, I agree. And for me, Masters is just really inherently interesting, uh, an inherently interesting event because, well, for a couple of reasons. Like for me, the first reason is because it's when people kind of, you know, show all their cards, you know, they take the list they think is the best list, it just battle-wise. It's not what they, at least for most people, it's not what they have painted. It's not what you know, Most it, normal people that are not Jeremy. This is the type <laughs> that they bring. <laughs> yeah, right. They, it's it's what they've theoretically been honing and, and crafting all year with the goal, the end goal of you know making the best list they can for Masters. Um, and so it's just interesting to see what the the end result of that process, uh, which you know is a little truncated this year because of COVID. Obviously, in some regions, haven't even been able to have any events um, and others have, which is going to be an interesting dynamic, which I think we'll talk about later. But um, so that's, you know, that's why it's one of the reasons it's really just interesting to me is to see what do people think is good? You know, what do the good players think is good when they know they're going to have to face off against other really good players? And so um, if there's that aspect. And then another aspect for me that makes it interesting is just like the unstoppable force meets immovable object uh aspect for example i don't think jeff o'neill with his infamous goblin list has lost a single tournament since you know 2018 and he hasn't been able to make it to the masters the past couple years but he's going to be there this year and 
you know, Dustin Howard has won every single tournament he's been to with his ice elementals. And there's a lot of other players like that, not just those two that dominate in the regions. And then we get them all together at the end of the year and, and let them duke it out and see who wins. And it leads to some really epic games. Um, some of which we're lucky enough to capture on, on video for posterity. Like I, I'm thinking, for example, of a, I think maybe it was two years ago in the fifth round, um, Aaron Chapman's slave orcs faced off against the aforementioned Jeff O'Neill's goblins in just a super epic game that I've watched maybe three times. Um, just because it's, it's, it was so interesting to see those two lists have to fight each other. Yeah. That was uh, the Chicago masters, right? I, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that game. I remember going, I don't want to face either of these armies. <laughs> and now they're facing each other. So this will right. be interesting. <laughs> right. um, something I love about it is the it is the, the tournament that is guaranteed to have representation from sort of every meta in the in the United States, plus Canada. You know, Lone Wolf is a really big tournament, but it's still primarily a Texas tournament plus some visitors. You know, Crossroads is a really big tournament, but it's still sort of that area plus some others. Adepticon, same way. Masters, because it's eight players from each region, you are guaranteed to sort of get this super varied group from all over the sort of North America. And that makes it this incredibly unique event with sort of interesting, unique armies smashing against each other in a really friendly but competitive atmosphere. So, like, I, I love it. It's just really cool to watch, and I'm I'm glad and sort of lucky to be going again this year. So, yeah, you know, I I like the every table a final table almost where it's like any table in any round could be the la- the final game top table in an event at one of their home regions. Yeah. Uh, so really, there's like no way to like you you know there's nowhere to go essentially to, to <laughs> yeah take. so like. I didn't have the best masters last year, um, but I, I sort of, I did okay. Like I won the matches I should, but it, it, it got to like final round. I had lost a couple. I just had my like one bounce back game and I'm like round six, let's just, I'm down near the bottom. Let's see what happens. And like Chris Kapsner comes walking up and you're like, <laughs> cool. That's my sixth round uh, easy game now near the bottom is just <laughs> this guy and it's like you're looking around the tables and there's there's no real easy games um and if you embrace that it's a lot of fun it it means you're gonna have six good games if you let it um and i found you too it's just like the air of victory or defeat is just so razor thin it's like every game almost feels like i need to turn seven or i don't or you know when you're playing at such a high level with high level people right it just comes down to all these just like close games to where a two and four masters could be really close to a four and two masters you know it just depends on you get those one or two rolls to go your way yeah that and also like you know everybody that's going knows where there are you know how to deploy their army they know generally what they want to do in every scenario their army is going to be in the right spot and so it all of that's just you know baseline sometimes that that kind of knowledge and, and experience can help you win a couple games at a normal gt but but here it's like you that's just assumed and so 
it really does showcase those players who can go up a level from there and and know you know what their army's counters are and how to overcome those the, the weaknesses of their army when they they match up against that counter and and just a whole host of other things that really make the best players the best players and and yeah every game is 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 tough um but the the best players typically you know the best of the best they're usually there at the end um for a reason and so it really does challenge you to play your best and see how good you really are um so yeah it's it's great the other thing i like about it too is it's actually it's like kings of war it's not kings of war with everybody gets a dragon that you know can shoot a laser out of its butt or something or you know like it's just kings of war it's straight up scenarios blackjack scoring is pretty much the standard and and so i think the results carry a lot of weight um, as far as, you know, what's good. And, and you can't really, uh, there's no asterisk in, in this tournament. It's just straight up Kings of War. So. Yeah, no, no one who's won a Masters after the fact are you like, oh, well, you know, oh, man, they spiked dice. You know what I mean? Or, 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 you know, they had the crazy whatever. Maybe they had some dice go their way. But usually people who win Masters, it goes, oh, okay, makes sense, right? Yeah, and you're not you're not sitting there with that like, well, I would have won except the third scenario was played lengthwise on the table and <laughs> right. everyone got three free cannons and you played cards in the middle. And don't get me wrong, I I love interesting scenarios. I like all that, but it is fun to have a straight up sort of by the book event that says who is the best at this game as written. And then you can spend the rest of the year doing crazy interesting stuff and then get back together and say, "Okay, we're all all same set of rules. The scenarios we know. Let's just say see who's best at this. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. We've used the uh, Super Bowl metaphor in the past, and it's kind of unexciting, and uh, uh, people use that a lot. But it really is this. This is when it, it is straight up what happens on the field. You know what I mean? Not a lot of uh, extra craziness. It's the people get on the field, they get on the table, and they throw down and. You know, to see who who is the best on the field. And what's cool um, this year, it it feels like Masters, like it it's a little subdued. There's there's definitely people not able to come this year for various reasons. That you know, pouring pouring one out for a Canadian contingent that can't can't make it down, um, and a and a lot of other people that will be missed. Um, but it still feels like Masters. Um, I was worried about how the scene would react to taking um, such a long break for for some people, not everyone, but for some people it was a really long break or at least a light tournament schedule. And what would Masters even be after a year like the year we had? And it it feels a lot the same. It feels good in this prep and this lead up and seeing the armies drop. And I'm looking forward to the, the matchup cast. So I'm just happy. It, it feels like we're getting back to some sort of, I don't want to say normal because it's, it's not going to be exactly normal, but back to sort of life as, as it could be. So, you know, and I think that we could have very easily not had a master's this year. It could have gone the other way and just been like, Oh, well, we're just going to postpone it a year. And, yep. you know, uh, not do it or whatever and i i think from our discussions on the council we were trying to think about is there a way that we can still have masters 
but do it in uh, uh, as safe a way possible. Uh, give us some some time to plan it Un- underneath a you know a TO who has such great experience running bigger events. Just because normally when we have the different regions bid for masters, that is so difficult to bid to host an event when you don't even know what the state of the world is going to be in your area, right? Yeah, so, Texas Texas stepped up, uh, which was basically Tom uh, whispering and or messaging, being like, "Jeremy, wouldn't it be a great area idea if we did this?" And I was like, "You know what? That was a great idea." So I'm like messaging Marks Cox and being like, "Hey, man, do you think you would do this?" And he's like, "A lot of people are telling me that I should do this right now and that this would be a great idea." And I was like, "Oh well, it's by master edit again." Um, <laughs> so you're saying you can credit me for us having a masters at all? I'll I'll take that. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, I think so. I mean, <laughs> at, at the, where credit is due. So, um, let, the, let the crazy Texans run it who've been running events, you know, all all through the pandemic. Makes sense. But I mean, uh, I, I think some of the thinking was that here's a region that has held some events during the pandemics. I think in anything, you learn your lessons, you make mistakes or whatever. But I think that they ha- had the experience. And then Mark, just when you come to it, who who on a fly could put together a big event and there's not a lot of TOs who could just do that and who are sending you emails because with masters, right? It's not just all your normal prep for a tournament, right? You have the, the matchup cast. I mean, other tournaments do matchup cast, but masters just carries with it all this other sort of extra stuff that you have to deal with. Yeah, we have, you know, we have Mark as kind of the overall TO who obviously he runs Lone Wolf over a year. We have Ryan Smith, who's, I think he's basically the co-TO um, and, and head paint judge. And I don't think there's a better paint judge in the country than Ryan. Um, and a couple of uh, other, our other TOs, like like Todd and some other guys, are going to help out as well on the day of. Um, and, you know, we have Matt Carmack doing the live streams. And he and Patrick Zorallen did them. What was that like two years ago when we yeah. had Masters yeah, in San Antonio? In San Antonio, yeah. So they have the experience doing that. Um, you know, we have a the venue for Lone, it's a, the the venue for Masters is the same as Lone Wolf, and it's you know so it's used we're used to having a big event there. Um, it's a great venue, so yeah, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's in the center of the country, so. Yeah, and Mark has been an an advocate for having safe tournaments. You know, you got bonus points at Lone Wolf if you were fully vaccinated. Uh, We're all pretty excited about Masters, and, you know, Mark is a good person to run it, you know? Yeah, I'm Uh, excited about Tom sliding in his, his, you know, buttering up the paint judge for for better scores there. So, right. I would just like to say that Jeremy and I also appreciate Ryan's contributions and think he is a wonderful paint judge and don't just give bonus points to Tom. (laughs) It's Masters. Paint doesn't even count. (laughs) It does for those of us not winning Masters. Uh And that that is actually something I want to speak to is that this is a unique tournament in which in the U.S. we value best battle, best general over anything else at Masters. But it is also because these are some of the best, most engaged like players from the country, the most Kings of War obsessed people. You also get oftentimes an incredible paint standard, incredible armies showing up. So there is a competition around sort of best painted players choice. 
winning best sports at masters is more than winning it at a lot of other GTs because you're competing against like eight other regions, best sports, right? <laughs> like, like you might be the person who always wins it in your local meta, but now you are up against that same super genial. Everyone loves them guy from seven other regions. So, um, even if you are not in the running for, for best general, there is like a lot of other cool stuff, um, that you can compete for, uh, including best paint. So, so Ryan, what up? <laughs> yeah, I mean that has really grown. I think you you bring up a good point, which is you know, and the Masters has been always a battle focused tournament, but I think in the last couple of years you have those guys who everyone at Masters can play. But I mean, there's some of us who know the odds of like me winning a Masters is pretty low. Uh, so there are a lot of people who are are good enough to get the Masters, but maybe who just want to focus on paint or are focused on sports that. There is something to be said if you win best paint at Masters. It, even the non-battle awards carry that uh, special luster, right, from having come from uh, Masters. So, yeah. so congratulations in advance, Hank Cooge. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am excited for everybody uh, to see his army. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, no, there, no Scott this year to dethrone him with his uh, flying animatronic display board. So. <laughs> It was, he was our only hope. <laughs> but, you know, each region, there is a competition for each category amongst the, the regions. And so I was, you know, I'm joking about, about paint not mattering. But, but pe- you know, the regions do want to win best paint, best sports region, but, you know, best general region. And uh, so it's it's a good competition. It's a friendly competition. But, uh, yeah, there's, you know, when you're at this level, everybody's, everybody's a pretty good painter everybody's a pretty good general or they wouldn't be here um and then there's some exceptional painters and exceptional generals and exceptional sportsmen but the the standard on all three in the room is pretty high uh it has to be or else they these guys wouldn't be there so so going into masters especially we've talked a little bit about it right of with covid last year and still this year in many places and there's always this idea of like masters is, is going to be weird or going to be strange or it's 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 not going to have a long enough time or a, a strong enough meta to come out of events um and what, what you said britain sort of resonated with me on a overall level of this idea of mass it's masters right and it's different but it still sort of feels like masters and i mean looking back it almost feels like the meta, maybe we haven't as many light events, but there has been a lot of through UB or whatever. I still have this sort of feeling that we're seeing some lists that have done well, but why don't we, you guys riffed on that a little bit first. Why don't you go first, Brent? What do you think about sort of the meta coming in to Masters? Has it been able to develop during COVID? Is it still, is it like a wild, going to be Wild West? Or what do you think? So um, the last Masters was third had just come out and and a lot of us came into it sort of knowing this is everyone's best first guess and and we'll see what happens after that um and we were all really excited about seeing how third kind of panned out over a bunch of events for the next year and then covid happened but what's super interesting is that if you look at this year's list compared to the last masters there is a lot of evolution and a lot of difference it's not the same list which to me says like a meta has developed and evolved. It has to. Like they're not the same list. We're not seeing the six war machine kingdoms of men or goblin spam. Um, 
we you know obviously aren't seeing those same grindy undead lists with um morgoth uh it's there is a lot of change in the lists outside of like eric trowbridge who brought the exact same list which is awesome um there is a lot of variation and change there which means people are thinking different about what will be effective now than they were uh you know a year and a half ago and that means the meta has developed regardless of what we think about live or not live events it is changing the way that people think about the game and i think an interesting thing coming into this will be um like virtual players versus tabletop players uh people who only really play on the tabletop and the type of events and practice they've been able to get in versus those who have just been grinding and jamming ub games um and like how that will will differ and will we see like this really strong contingent of people who sort of played all of these online tournaments played all these online games versus those who just sort of hid with their their friends and <laughs> kept playing on the tabletop or didn't play on the tabletop <laughs> and it sort of reminds me of like the old poker boom in the early 2000s where you had all these traditional sort of tabletop poker players and this invasion of online Internet poker players. Kids. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the moneymaker effect. Um, and then it also reminds me of the same thing in sort of racing and Formula One and other other types of racing where you have people growing up in on simulators or playing sort of Gran Turismo basically and Forza and then making the jump straight over to racing like high level cars versus the people growing up kart racing and racing the other stuff. I just find that sort of physical tactile group of players versus the sort of UB focused players and seeing how that shakes out when we're all let out in this tournament. Um, it could be an interesting trend or it could be nothing, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. So I think the, like the meta quote unquote it goes through cycles a lot quicker on UB. So like there's some lists that are coming uh, and I won't, I won't mention them by name, but I look at them and I'm like, Oh, when you play like three more events, you're going to realize, like you're going to realize this doesn't work. Like I can see what you're thinking, but when you play a little bit more, you're going to, you're going to go to this. Like everybody else has been going to this. Um, You got to message me what those are. <laughs> and then there's some lists that, you know, I know because I'm one of these guys who's been playing on UB all, all the, you know, all pandemic, um, in addition to in-person events where I can see, like, I know what you were playing at the beginning uh, of third, and I can see how your list has evolved. And I, you know, often because I talk to you, I know why it's evolved. And so, uh, you know, I, I, it doesn't mean like those those players that I'm talking about uh, are going to do better than some of these other players. Um, but it, I can definitely see that uh, effect and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, you know, the other thing is a lot of people just haven't been playing at all. Um, they're trying to make up for it in these past couple of weeks or, you know, month or two months where people have been getting vaccinated and, and we've been able to go out and, and get some in-person games. And, you know, that it's going to be, it's going to be tough for those guys uh, having masters be like their first big event. But the thing it's about, gonna some, War, there's going to be some clock outs. <laughs> yeah, there may be some clock outs, but you know what I've, I think is, Kings of War, like, 
when you start playing it, if you just get a couple games under your belt, you're like, oh, no, I, I know what this is. Like, I remember. That's one of the things I love about it is even if I don't have time to play, um, you know, for a month or, or a month and a half, when I do sit down and play, it's like, yeah, I'm a little rusty, but like it, it it's like riding a bike. You know, you get a couple games and you're you're right back there. And so I think most people are going to be fine as long as they're getting a couple practice games in, which, you know, I think most people are, they're coming. So I, there's going to be a, a slight advantage for people that have been playing all year and, and have been thinking and developing their lists, but I don't think it's going to be as big as maybe some other people think. Now, do you think there's going to be an advantage to, let's say, players who um, just inherently play faster? I feel that, and I've, I, I feel that UB really, it makes you, if you're a medium to slow player, it only makes that worse, I found. And I wonder if sort of a, an element to grow out of that UB play, right, is I'm going to measure absolutely every single thing. Which in UB you can sort of do right. You can take your time and look at every single possible animal, drop blank bases, do the whole smorgasbord. And players who can do that, I think, well, have done well on UB. But you put those same players under a clock where they can't absolutely check every angle as uh, close. I wonder if for those people who are just have that innate innate ability to just play and not have to check everything like that i wonder if they're going to have any sort of comfortability yeah i i don't know i don't i don't know if it's a ub versus not ub thing i think it's just like how many actual physical games have you played because it's way way different um i don't think there's a lot of people coming that have exclusively played on ub um there's i think there's a few but most people have been going to you know a tournament or two with some exception or playing in person but it's just Kings of War on the tabletop is is a completely different uh, experience and requires different skills than playing Kings of War on UB. I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of translation, but um, it's it's way different. <laughs> and it's going to be hard because really the two regions that have had the most in-person events are the South and Southeast, and they usually do well anyway. So I think if we just if at the end, right, where if if by we're done with Masters and the number one and number two teams are the South and Southeast, who is to say, well, they've had more events. So obviously they were gonna do good. But it's like, I mean, they do good all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, put the Pacific Northwest is like half dojo, so <laughs> uh, you can count them too. But you know what I what I'm glad is that the Midwest and the mountain region at least, they've snuck in a couple tournaments like right before masters bug eater uh the kansas city gt and so i know those guys have been getting some some pretty good reps in uh in, in a tournament environment and so i i'm, I'm really happy about that um yeah because as you say uh kings of war at the tabletop is a totally different game um you have to be able to play multiple rounds in a row while heavily drinking you have to be able to keep your late game concentration when being smacked in the ass by Mark Cox. Um, it's yeah, it's just a totally <laughs> different game. Yeah, and, game four, game seeing, four on Saturday is going to be an interesting round. Oh man, that's the worst. That's the only thing I'm not looking forward to. It at least um, so like last year there was best of the best, 
and we all went to play game four and everyone and best of the rest went and like ate dinner <laughs> and hung out and like had a great time and i'm just looking at them all just like walking away like take They're me jealous. with you yeah i don't, I don't want to play <laughs> oh man but yeah seeing, seeing angles on the tabletop is a completely different skill than seeing angles on on ub um and so I just hope people have gotten in a couple of games because, like I said, it comes back pretty quickly. But but you do need those five games, ten games just to get back into the swing of things. So yeah, I think I'm going to have to bust out uh, the Capstone maneuver here at some point and actually put my army on a table and like move it around. Um, I have I, chan- I have played my master's list once, though, so I will not at least that way. I'm not going having never played a list. <laughs> Like um, after after you know four or five games, um, I think I'll be in the groove uh, with one <laughs> game with one game left. So that six round opponent better watch out. I might know my army by then. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, watch out. Watch um, out. It's gonna be you, Jeremy. Actually, yeah, I, I well, hope not. You should be far away from me. We and we've never had to play each other at a Masters. No, no. Uh, I always play? Rashad's not here. I used to always play Rashad. Um, yes, but I will say my uh, uh, I uh, coasted to the, my victory at Kublacon thanks to my round one match against Britain when we tied because we were playing insanely two small rounds, and my round two opponent happened to be a, a little bit easier of opponent than his round two. So uh, I think that was like the last time I can remember that we played against each other in a tournament. So looking at the list, I know it's uh, Tom, uh, you know, shameless plug. Tom has a great article on Dash 28 uh, of sort of some takeaways um, from now that the, the lists are available. And if, if you want to check out the lists, Tom has linked in his article uh, from June 23rd, uh, three quick takeaways uh, you find the Google link Britain mentioned a little earlier. If you want to take a look at all the master's lists, the Google link is there. You can kind of go list diving, check out the list. Um, but why don't you talk a little bit about that, Tom? What are some of the things that in looking at the, the master's lists collectively that showed jumped out to you as meta evolution or some interesting, interesting stuff? Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the three things I mentioned in my article, um, and thanks for the plug. Uh, one of them was number of scoring units. And so I had um, Nick Williams actually did like a, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a lawyer. I'm not a, uh, I'm not great at stats or math, but he ran the numbers and he's like, yeah, everything's pretty much the same. Like uh, this year as compared to last year, like the scoring units are about the same. And, the number of defense six units are about the same. He didn't really find any great differences. Um, but what stood out to me about the scoring units was, which was the first thing about my list or, or first thing in my article, um, it was just how many lists were like exclusively scoring drops or all scoring drops except for one. And so maybe the average is the same across all the armies, but like if you have all scoring units, that doesn't happen by accident. That that means you have a theory about how you win in Kings of War and uh, Third Edition. And so, I, I definitely noticed a a trend of players making a conscious decision to 
bring as many scoring units as, as they can. Um, you know, it, most people have about 13 or 14 drops, but almost all of those drops, uh, are, are scoring units. And so they're kind of mitigating the, you know, it, it, the average number of drops by bringing scoring units. So, uh, they might be facing off against a list that has 17, 18, 20 drops, but they have an equal or greater number of scoring units. And so that kind of mitigates the, um, the lower number of, of drops they have. So that's one of the things I noticed. Um, and there's a, a couple of examples. I, I also, in my article, linked to a spreadsheet that has um, Mike Atkins helped me put together that has um, all the lists and then a couple of different categories like scoring drops, unit strength, um, number of shots, number of defense six units, and it has kind of like the standard deviations um, for each list that that Mike helped me calculate. And so um, it's it's pretty interesting uh, to look through there. But scoring drops was the first thing I noticed. Um, and I wonder thing, if, I, I wonder yeah. if that is also too the more we get removed in time from Warhammer fantasy or that style of gaming or people enter into the Kings of war gaming fresh, not having experience. So much of that old school was, you know, a one building on the side, another building on the other side, everything in the middle is empty and you just are trying to kill each other. And maybe there's a scenario sort of floating in the ether around what you're trying to do. Whereas Kings had now has been this game that truly is, scenario based that you know we've seen more people begin to gravitate toward towards having more tools to play scenario as opposed to just saying well i'll kill you and then when i'm done i'll move my stuff around where it needs to be yep yep and i actually truthfully i think that's it's a little overrated like i'm one of these players who really likes to bring a good number of individuals like for my own list i have 15 drops but four of them are individuals um and uh, you know especially the combat in- individuals they're still really powerful with 360 charge uh arcs and there's just a lot of things you can do uh with them and so you know i don't know there's a there's a lot of lists that buck that trend like there's a couple goblin lists that have m- more non-scoring units and scoring units i mean it's basically like their rabble and their wingets and they're like okay you can you can try to kill my rabble but if you do these you know 12 or whatever non-scoring units that i'll shoot are gonna really punish you and i'll still have one or two uh units with score with unit strength left at the end of the game and so it, it, it's an interesting it the the dissenters of kind of the consensus on on scoring units is, is interesting to me and that's one of the things I'm going to be interested in seeing how it all shakes out. Yeah, for for me, the interesting part of that trend when when I looked at it is it seemed like we didn't have really low and we didn't have super, super high that much. Um, I know in previous years, there's been those lists that show up with like some ridiculous unit strength or you have those <laughs> armies that showed up with like 12 unit strength <laughs> you have no idea how they're actually going to win and right. they just hope to kill everything and have the only scoring unit left 
um, this one felt like the low drop armies were pumping up their unit strength and the high drop armies were like taking a bunch of individuals, weapon teams, et cetera, and sort of lowering their unit strength back to this kind of norm. It felt like people had decided what was enough and the, the lower drop armies were trying to pump up to that and the higher drop were taking all of these utility characters, not caring as much about overwinning on unit strength. Yep, that's definitely true. And if you look at the numbers, it actually backs that up exactly. Like last year's Masters had higher unit strength or more more lists with, you know, higher than average unit strength and, um, you know, assuming the average is around 25, 26 or whatever. It had less extreme unit strength armies this time. So, yeah, you're, you're dead on on that. So maybe like that middle of the bell curve around that has people are starting to work out what the community feels is that sweet spot. Yeah. I mean, that's one interpretation is we're learning as a community, how much is too much and how much is enough or how much is too small. Um, But it could also just be like these people's unique. It's such a small sample size. It could just be these people's unique take or their meta or their testing environment says this is what they need to be doing. Um, and then it also, it, it matters like what army you are, what access you have to useful individuals, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a super like looking at unit strength versus last year, it's different. And what I like about looking at these sort of numbers and breakdowns is as soon as there's, if something's different, that's sort of a story. And if something's the same, that's also a story, (laughs) You know, if, if we all had the same unit strength sort of curve that we did last year, that tells us something. If we have different, that tells us something else. But it's always going to tell us something, looking at these numbers. And I thought one of your, the, the the next thing you talk about in your article was really interesting, Tom, which was, you know, for so long, it was like speed is king. And there was those metas that you know, always had lots of unit drops or stuff, you know, we think of like the trash meta, et cetera. But a lot of places had their, I think their whole metas defined around speed, certain boogeyman speed lists. Uh, but that's something that, you, you know, we don't, we're not really seeing, you know, in this Masters as much as in the past, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the, the statistics that I didn't put in my, article but which backs up the point is and it's kind of it's it's subtle but it's 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 interesting so um looking at unlocking units the number of unlocking large cab units which are generally a little bit faster um and a little bit more expensive than large infantry uh unlocks actually the large cab unlocks have decreased and the large infantry lock unlocks have increased, which tells me that uh, people are discounting speed, and instead, the way they're playing is, uh, you know, large infantry, which hits just as hard as large cavalry, but and then they're also building in some chaff. So it's it's more of like a a slower hammer plus chaff type of build that people are doing versus let's take fast you know a bunch of faster units and and so it's just like let's just downgrade all the way because i already have chaff you know um and so that's that's one of the numbers that kind of backs up that that observation the other thing is like 
people <laughs> hate dragons now. You can look through these lists, and they're almost, with, with some exception, like oh, most of the Rackin lists have uh, the demon spawn. There's Keith Randall's elf list, which has a dragon. Uh, but other than... There's a there's some Basilian. There's a Basilian paladin dragon plus, or the whatever, the big dragon plus Julius in yeah. one of the lists. Yeah, no, the, yeah, and there's, there, I think there's like two Basilian lists that do that. But other than those, like people are not bringing dragons. They just don't think they're good for whatever reason. And and in some lists they are good, um, but just as a trend, I noticed people aren't taking dragons. People aren't really taking cavalry as much as I think they used to. Instead, it's it's all take a bunch of chaff, you know, take your best chaff units, take some solar units. And that's kind of, kind of what people are going towards. Um, There's some, there's some definite outliers from that. Like um, Grant Fetter has the sort of Basilian boogeyman army. The one you sort of every, every edition, someone (laughs) does a variation of this list that just scares children. (laughs) Um, It's the like, Four regiments of Alohi, three hordes of Alohi, Samarchus, Julius, and and some other pieces. But it's just that sort of like, oh dear lord, everything flies, everything fast, and everything hits. Um, I I didn't pick it as one of mine because I think um, I think it can get found out, <laughs> especially at the masters level. Um, not by me. I don't want to face this list, but. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot of lists that will give this a lot of trouble, but it's still interesting that like there are a general trend of not going for speed or speed pieces, but then the people who did just sort of like put put the pedal down <laughs> and 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 picked all all Basilian Elohi and that sort of thing. So yeah, I think Grant did really well with that list at, at, at Lone Wolf until uh, or. And then eventually I know he lost to, to Jeff in the, the last round who, you know, Jeff is probably one of the best reactive players in the country. I would say is just sitting back, he sets up his stuff and then he's like, it's you, you know, you do you bro. And I think that can be challenging for this type of speed list, right? You're setting the pace, but you also want to be able to, to take advantage of your players mispositioning. So I'm curious what this list is going to do against like a defense six wall or like a really just reactive list. If he, if he doesn't engage in the right spots, like you said, this list can, can kind of fall apart pretty easily, I think. Yeah. And that, and that brings up another interesting point. Um, you know, there's like Britain was saying, there's, there's the Aloha list. There's Keith Conroy's herd list, which, you know, other than a regiment of four shamblers, the slowest, uh, unit in the army is a speed seven D, you know, wild charge D three. Um, I forget if it's spirit walkers or tribal spears unit and other, otherwise it's all like speed nine lichens and speed 10. He runs the big horde of, uh, spirit walkers with haste. I yeah. Believe. With brew of haste. Yeah. 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 They're, yeah. they're so speed, speed seven, seven wild charge D three. Right. And that's the slowest, yeah. slowest unit. Aspirators. <laughs> but uh, the, the the bigger point that I was going to bring up is another trend that I've noticed is people aren't really taking what 
some call like the gatekeeper lists, like the extreme skew lists uh, that will knock out, you know, a lot of armies. But if it meets its counter, then uh, it doesn't have yeah, as good of a time. Like one, one example that is missing from the masters that kind of surprises me is the Kapoka forces of nature phalanx list with a bunch of tree herders and four shamblers and whatever like that's a very specific list that would give a lot of these lists a hard time but nobody brought it because i think the reason is everybody has it in their mind of like well i'm pretty good with my list or else i wouldn't be here um if i you know i i know i can win like four game three games four games if i play well and if the dice just go my way, then then you know maybe um, maybe I can you know win it all. Um, but nobody really wants to play the spoiler of like I know I'm gonna win. I'm really gonna ruin a couple people's days, but uh, I might not make it through the gauntlet of six games against a a big field with a a, a varied meta. Yeah, there's a there's a couple spoiler lists kicking around in there. John John Green's yes. succubi <laughs> nonsense that will just ruin some people's day. Um I mean I would say they're really good with it, or he's really good with it. Dustin's Ice Elemental and then Brad's sort of other Ice Elemental <laughs> um lists are, are pretty spammy and pretty gatekeepery, but we'll we'll see. Because of the problem with some of those is that like they're better than gatekeeper lists. They they actually turn into good all comers lists because the units are so good. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some still some spam happening that you you scroll through and you're like, wow, that's a lot of that unit entry in the in the <laughs> list. Um, yeah, John, John's probably the best example of a, a spoiler list. Like he's good enough where he could win six games, but he's going to really ruin a couple armies days and have a tough time if he gets the wrong matchups. But like nobody brought the ten scarecrow horde list that just wrecks goblin shooting, but you know might not do well against undead or something. Mm-hmm. Instead, everyone's playing, with some exception, pretty balanced lists, some skew, but uh, and you see, you do see some really interesting against types. Like I think Kyle Poole's uh, infantry melee goblins is an interesting list. Do, uh, I think. I think the goblin meta right now is super interesting. Yeah, yeah right? like it's it so weirdly specific, but there's like three or four different archetypes being played, um, and it helps that they're being played by some sort of big characters within the scene. You know, Kyle is bringing his sort of uniquely Kyle take on goblins, but he he's another one of those sort of crazy players that just jams in games and you know, whatever he is bringing is going to be sort of well-tested. Um, and then there's the sort of Jeff O'Neill, Travis Tim uh, side. And then Shannon's got a slightly different list. George has a slightly different list, although I don't like George's list as much. Um, there, it's sort of like there isn't just a goblin list. It's a lot of very different takes on it, um, which I think is a good look for the game when when one good army can have multiple different ways to potentially win with it and it's nice like i know it's interesting to see some players you know who like shannon had to originally move off the goblin chariots now and now he can go back so it's interesting to now to see him playing a goblin list that's sort of akin a little bit to what 
he he did in in second edition a little bit. You know, of course, he's got you know the triple wing it nonsense. Um, Alex <laughs> Coos just woke. Alex Coos just woke up in Canada right now. He could feel the evil of the. That's his, his like most hated unit in the game. Well, <laughs> I, saw, I saw that picture that was made the background of the fanatics group today with the with the halflings, and it's like there's some airships or something floating, and I'm just like, please. God, don't let them just be more wingets. <laughs> let them be something else if you're going to make a unit out of them. Um, but that that does bring up an interesting, another interesting point. Uh, so goblins are the second most popular army coming, uh, tied with ogres, and then the most popular army is night stalkers with uh, six players taking them. Sure. And so. If you if you kind of average it out with 26 armies in a 64 player field, you'd expect about two and a half uh, players to take each army. So you know two to three players. And if you look at you know the, here's the armies that aren't there: uh, forces of nature, free dwarves, Bracken slaves, Sylvan kin, and Twilight kin. Which and then there's one herd, one elves, and one brother mark. Everything else is kind of either average, what you'd expect, or or higher than average. Um, and so I think some of the armies get it's not like a 40k situation, um, you know, where an army will get a new co- codex and some armies will just be waiting, you know, years or or you know, for a new one, but there, there are, I think one feature of third edition is like, there are some lists that just don't get a lot of love and they, they need to be reworked. And this masters just backs that up. Like the, the armies you'd expect to not be taken in great numbers are the armies that aren't really being taken. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you read that list out, it was like, besides maybe forces of nature, all the right. forces of nature is kind of some of their stuff is farmed out to so many other lists that it 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 doesn't feel as necessary right now. But like most of that list, you think at and you're like, yeah, those are those are the back of the bus armies. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, right. those are are the ones that you know you're you're not not quite as strong. But um, at the same time, I think six for the high number isn't that bad. Like it's not like we have a third of the field as one army uh, or one one yeah one army. Um, six isn't that bad. It's night stalkers. So having so many night stalkers has sort of an effect on the meta. It sort of depresses kind of chip shooting or shooting that reacts to stealthy. It depresses some sort of certain things because you know like if I run into night stalkers, which I very well might, um, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a problem. Um, but it's not so prevalent that it's sort of like uh, a scourge on the meta, I think. And it's a big departure from second edition where Night Stalkers were one of the least played factions. So it's it's interesting to sort of have seen the rise of the Night Stalker armies. Yeah, I think Night Stalkers are just a good army now. Like, you know, not, not because they're stealth, all stealthy. They're just a good army. And then that has knock-on effects yeah. to what other people are taking. They're a good army. They have real miniatures now. Some of their miniatures are the coolest stuff Mantic has released. You know, the the sort of like 
uh, the nightmares, not the nightmares, the, what are they? The, the like weird spirit horseman unit. Uh, yeah, those are nightmares. Okay. Yeah, those sure. are nightmares. Yeah. Well, they look yep. rad. <laughs> <laughs> they look cool. There's, there's a bunch of stuff they have now that just looks cool um, from Mantic. So it's like they have miniatures. They're no longer sort of like a weird fake army that you don't know what anything does, like in second edition, where it was just like a blotch of ink and a description. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the the sort of Night Stalkers coming of age and coming out to the party is, has been fun to see. Yeah, and it's and you see you see some people playing Night Stalkers where okay, like Nate Clevenger moving to Night Stalkers makes sense, right? Um, and that he plays in a region with Jeff O'Neill or other shooty. So sort of like the thinking of, of where a list might have a Genesis makes sense when you're looking at some of these, these players, you know, Joey Greek playing night soccer's he's played night soccer's. Like yeah. I say, every year I have my one game against night soccer's at a tournament and it's against Joey Greek at masters. Yeah, it feels like it's um, yeah. Shout out to like OG night soccer players like Craig, Craig person and, Joey Greek and those folks. I, I hope you're enjoying all the tourists into your army. Um, and like Blake, Blake can... Robertson from the West is definitely like a, I want to use all Mantic models, I think. And he, he likes the Night Stalker range, mm -hmm. you know, which is a good one. If you want to make an all Mantic army, that's a solid choice. I'm curious about uh, uh, Tom, about uh, Nick. Had he been, because I know we, you know, he played some Rackin, he played some other stuff. Is a Night Stalkers like a, a newer army for him in the last year or so? Or uh, so you're talking about Nick Michelonis, who's yes uh, in my in my region in my city, uh, probably my most frequent opponent, and he is a, a mercenary for the Pacific Northwest this year. No, he so our dojo club did a, like a third edition all Mantic Army challenge. Uh, so Night Stalkers were his army, so he's been playing them. I think he brought them. No, he. He didn't bring them to Dojo GT, but he's brought brought them to every other GT since then that we've had down here in the South. So yeah, he's been playing Night Stalkers. I really like his list. He's got just like is I think his list is a good example of that a little bit of everything style. You know, he's got some Reapers, he's got some Needle Fangs, he's got some healing, he's got some fiends, got some he's got like what you would want in a Night Stalker army, like big scary monsters, some of their good large infantry, large cab choices. I, I think his list is interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's an all melee night soccer list, which is refreshing from the you know what you think of. Well, an example is my other clubmate Jeff Radigan, who has triple mind screech uh, horror with uh, lightning bolt in the boomstick, and allying in you know <laughs> more shooting uh, from forces of nature. So uh, yeah, I think the armies that are in a good spot have varied builds and i think that's showcased in some of these lists you know i think if if this was like a ub tournament a ub tournament masters then the armies would look a lot different i respect people kind of playing what they have or you know developing lists that are good but but it's not just there's only four undead lists like let's just be <laughs> clear about that of 64 armies only four people brought undead uh um, yeah. if it was like a frictionless decision to to take whatever the most powerful army is i think it'd be, it, it would look a lot different yeah uh, but i like i like army friction <laughs> i i like that this isn't a 
you know, collectible card game or an online game where you can just decide to make an entirely new different army that it takes, you know, it takes effort. You have to sort of like yeah. invest yourself into an army. And I think that helps keep things sort of more balanced and on an even keel. Um, and we've, we've mentioned it a little bit, right? You look at the list and, you know, Mike Rossi is playing dwarves. You Shocker. know, Keith, Keith Conroy is playing uh, Herd. You know, yeah, but hers, Keith, his, his Herd list is rad. Yeah. I like, he, I like it. He always has great Herd list. You know, Keith Randall has put down the, the alcohol and he's back with the elves, you know? <laughs> so uh, John Vanoss is playing Forces of the Abyss. You know, it's all the, it's all, it's a lot of, I mean, does anyone stick out to you? You it's know, the greatest of, hits album. Exactly. I mean, Dustin's playing the Ice Elementals, but it's not like he's been working on that. But it's, I w- it's surging monsters, right? Like it's, still it's the, the same thing the Dustin house. always plays. Let's not let's not joke. And then like uh, Aaron Chapman's back on the classic Alpha Strike Varinger. <laughs> yeah. You know, there there it does have a greatest hits feel. <laughs> I I am slightly disappointed in in that because it is definitely like, you know, I don't know what it is that people just haven't painted things up over the the past year or or if they just think like this is my best you know this is the army i'm most comfortable with so this is what i'm gonna bring to masters but there you know i think some of the guys who i think have the best shot at being the master um are the ones who are bringing like third edition lists and not just taking their their models um and, and trying to make a list out of it like the guy I, I would pick Ooh. to Let's win it all, who I have already on do, record, do, 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 uh, do, do, already on record, um, is Adam Ballard. Well, I was just gonna say when you're looking at the lists, wh- who is playing the like a list that's not you know, pr- I mean he's the Silver Breeze guy, right? So right. He's uh, the elf Silver Breeze guy. Yeah, it's uh, 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 and I played him with that list, and it is you know designed and built within the third, like you say, within the third umbrella. Is I'm making a list for this edition, and I'm not just going to bring my army that I played for four years. Right. So he's playing Empire Dust, um, and it's it's one of those lists where it's like he has a skeleton horde. He has like two skeleton spearmen regiments. He's got some, you know, enslaved guardian archers and just like a bunch of like one mummy regiment. It's like it doesn't make sense on paper necessarily. I mean, you look at it, it's like, yeah, that's good, but it's not spamming anything. It's like a bunch of one or two off units. Um, but, you know, guess who was on the top table at Dojo GT against Dustin uh, back in July of last year? That was Adam Ballard. Guess who uh, got best general at Lone Wolf here in April? That was Adam Ballard playing this exact same list, which he's been playing since the beginning of the pandemic. You know, he got fifth in the last Call to Arms tournament, which is like 120 or 150 players. So um, some of the guys, Ian and Dustin's another really good example of his ice elemental list is like, that's a third edition list that, it didn't exist before, obviously, because North, Northern Alliance didn't exist before. But there's a couple of these lists. It's like, this is a third edition list. It's not just you using your models. Um, and I think those those guys are going to do really well. Yeah, Adams, um, I saw him, I casted on, I think, one of his online games um, through Dash 28 Live. 
And it's that list where you're like, you read it on paper, like you said, and you're like, oh, okay, neat. And then you see it deployed and you're like, I don't know how to fight this. And right. as I'm not fighting it, I'm losing things because there's enslaved guardian archers, there's uh, soul snare, there's all kinds of stuff sort of making your life miserable, multiple bone giants. It's just this like perfectly sort of constructed jigsaw puzzle you have to figure out very quickly because it is doing work on you as you are trying to to unlock it. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a tough list. Um, Sadly, Adam Ballard and I have a side bet, so I have to root against him, and that's as much nice stuff as I can say about his list. It's obviously going to fall apart. Um, I don't know why anyone in the world takes it's trash. amazing units that he has in here. Uh, mm. It's trash, and he's going to owe me money. So, you know. Well, he he said he's, he can't beat goblins with it. I mean, that's like the weakness of... Uh, you know, mon- monster mash type of list, which yeah. So I'm I'm hoping his first round matchup is Kyle Poole. His second round matchup <laughs> is Jeff O'Neill. And as soon as regional, uh, you know, regional matchups are allowed, Travis Tim also. I mean, that's also- what I was gonna say. I, you know, I think of the Goblin players, Travis Tim sort sometimes maybe flies just below the radar as being like he. I know he just his win-loss record with his goblins is just so good. Dude, mountain, uh, mountain region in general has flown below the radar. They're, they're some yeah, tough, really tough solid players. players. Um, and have not always been mentioned in the conversation with some of the other tougher regions, but they have a core of really, really solid players bringing well-tested solid lists. And this could be a sort of um, big masters for them, except that they're also bringing mercenaries, I think. So... That taints it a little, but they're 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 just, just Brad McKay. Uh, uh, what what region what what region didn't need any mercenaries this year? West. Oh, that's right, bitches. Are <laughs> uh, uh, from a region that was Rashad, Brinton, and myself, and Mike Grant, and a, a couple others. We have finally grown. It's amazing how how you know your region's not that small when you get one group from one city join, and all of a sudden, like then we got the Reno guys playing now, and it's now it's like, oh, dude, our seat is like quadrupled in size. That that's something that I've noticed though. Like even in the worst year for tabletop gaming ever, like almost every region with the unfortunate exception of the Pacific Northwest, which has problems because, you know, half their region is in another country and have a, has a border situation. Like almost every single region has enough players where they're just like, yeah, even though a bunch of people aren't coming and turned down their spots or didn't, you know, they just didn't want to come uh, or couldn't come for whatever reason, like nobody needs marks. That's a, huge difference from the first masters where i i don't know the exact numbers but there were massive numbers of mercenaries so i'm really happy that each region seems to have a really solid play you know growing player base to draw from and has people that are interested in in coming to the masters you know uh, life finds a way right so somehow our game our gaming life found a way to to exist during this crazy crazy period Um, okay so we've heard adam ballard from utah um uh what about um 
So would you pit him? You know, oftentimes you have like, I'm this guy's my pick. This guy's my dark horse. This guy's like my whatever. So is Adam Ballard like your reasonable? Is he your dark horse pick or is he just your straight? I think he's really got a shot this year. No, he's you know he's my straight up pick. Like as okay. long as he doesn't have to play Travis or Jeff, if someone else can figure out a way to bring those guys, if he can dodge that down, matchup, yeah, yeah, yeah I don't, you know I have I have no doubt he's got he the past two or three like he's always in the top ten of Masters. He's he's pretty uh, under the radar as a player, but um, no, he's my he's, he's my always in the, pick. always in the mix, right? Like you see it's, those it's, top ten, top fifteen spots, he's he's always in there. It's a fool's errand to pick, uh, you know, someone to win Masters. It's just nobody. You shouldn't go to Masters thinking you're going to win. Because uh, it's the what we say. Yeah, it's what we say you. at the at the beginning of every matchup cast, you know, that we do or whatever. It's like we can pick these people, but in the end, it doesn't really mean. It's it's why it's, we play the game. You know, it's a I mean? game with dice. It, exactly. Like you could literally make the right decision presented to you lose. the entire game and still lose badly <laughs> i mean we're, we're playing with dice it's it's a skill game for sure because we see the same people win and the same people at top tables over and over but when you put a bunch of top people there it's some of it is there's definitely skill involved in how you play on the day and your list but it's so hard to predict because you know we're, we're playing with dice here <laughs> so dark horse tom who's the dark horse then um I think my dark horse and I, you know, a dark horse is still like in the top, like the 25 players or so that I think could have a shot if things go their way to win. Um, you know, there's some people that, and I'm obviously not going to mention it, but just based on lists or, or how much I know they've been playing, like, it would be a sh- huge shock to me if they won. So there's a pool of you about. You could just say you could just say me. It's okay. <laughs> I don't know. Triple giant. You know. Tri- hot scary. giant summer. Um, you know, but, no, but there's like 25 or so, 20 to 25 players who I think have a legit shot if if Lady Luck is on their side. Um, and so from that pool, my my dark horse is Keith Conroy. Okay. He nice. Is, I like it. So his list is very vulnerable to shooting. Obviously, he's playing herd, um, but he knows exactly how to play that list. He's been playing it for a year and a half. He was killing it at the last Masters until he uh, ran into in nonsense. Yep. Until he ran into you know some some unfortunate dice. We'll put it that way. Uh, but he's just been. He's one of these like. UB degenerates. Like, not only does he play on UB, he does play by email games. So he's like, you know, at teaching during the week and like playing Keith Randall on UB on his phone, like one turn at a time. So he's just got a ridiculous amount of uh, games in with his herd list, which he's refined to have it exactly where he wants it to. Um, right. So I'm making him sound more like a favorite, but I mean, he's playing herd, you know, they've got, I, they've got clear counters. So I think it's fair to call him a dark horse, but yeah, I, I, I also, he's had a good shot. I love the idea that like after last year's sort of issue and run that like he spent this entire um, pandemic, it's like a training montage from Rocky <laughs> that he's just like, he's playing UB 
like as he's lifting weights in the snow <laughs> and like he's at school like answering questions with like five UV games up on various devices and it's just his full training montage and he's coming back you know he's got a like, he's got a game going on with Keith he's got yeah. a game going on with Paige he's got a game going on with Australian guy. So no matter what time of the day it is, someone's yeah. awake for him. To be yeah, twenty four hours of UB. You know, you you come in during his like teacher prep period, and there's like deployments sketched out on the the whiteboard or the chalkboard, and he's like ruminating. There's like a picture of uh, other other armies that he's like crumpling up on the mirror each morning. <laughs> it's the I like the narrative around Keith Conroy making a real run. It's just like a a revenge story. Like I'm back. I was robbed. And now you're all going to deal with it. And he's just such a nice guy, too. It's like he would Oh, he was a nice guy. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to see a different side of him this year. (laughs) Yeah, play by email is like, that's that's true. Kings of horror degeneracy. Like, I, I tried to live that life at one time, and it's like, you know, I'm closing my office door so I can get a couple turns in. It's just like, what am I even doing? Uh, yeah, that's some that's some like legitimate nerd level stuff. Um, you know, not like making a spreadsheet uh, with standard deviations around uh, unit strength. That's totally normal. <laughs> Play by email, though. That's weird. Uh, point taken. Point taken. Okay, what about you, Britton? Give us a a pick and then a dark horse. Dude, I don't know. So I did an article for Dash 28 where I pulled out seven sort of lists I thought were interesting and players that I thought could kind of pilot those lists well enough. Um, like that the combination of player and list I thought was strong. Um, it's not a straight up just like pick seven. Um, I, I uh, you know, picked... I didn't want to just pick like three goblin lists. I only picked one, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I sort of tried to pick different stuff. Um, but that was sort of my list of seven, which I've, I've now got a couple bets against um, from various people. Uh, but if I was picking out of this, um, you know, for me, and this is, this is like the coldest of takes, this is this is a lukewarm take at best. Um, Tom came in with the good stuff, and I'm gonna say for me it's like Jeff O'Neill or Dustin Howard's to win. Um, you know, again, that is not a surprise. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff O'Neill has been missing Masters the past couple of years, I believe, because he is an accountant and it's tax season. Is that correct? Yep. Um, yes. So. Essentially, this is what you get for moving Masters to the summer. You get Jeff O'Neill's undefeated Goblin list coming to just ruin a bunch of people's day. Um, But while he is ruining your day, he's a super gentleman, and you will thank him for ruining your day, which is a weird experience. Um, So I think he narrowly missed out in Chicago. Um, His, you know, his list got defeated by the sort of pain train that was Aaron Chapman's slave orc list before it ran into <laughs> unnerfed steel behemoths on a table built for steel behemoths. Um, so he, he had a really good run at that masters hasn't been able to make the last couple. And that sort of like the Keith Conroy, like this is my sort of narrative around it. It's like, he's here. This is his chance. He's been playing this list forever or a variation of this list forever. It's strong in the meta right now. There's a bunch lined up for for this to be that year. Um, and then the same around uh, Dustin, which is it's a super strong list. 
it is within his wheelhouse. Like it's the style he has always sort of played, um, which I think is important. It's not just this new thing. He's not playing against type. It's exactly the kind of list that he would play. And it's really strong. Ice elementals are just a filthy strong unit. And when you build an army around them um, with the snow fox chaff, with the ice queen support, and with a bunch of giants, because giants are awesome, um, it's a super tough list. So those are my sort of dual. I'm cheating. I'm picking two, like, what I think are our favorites, um, because neither of those count anywhere close to a dark horse. <laughs> <laughs> also, Dustin's just in it, like, literally an insane person who goes to work and comes home and, and flips tires while you know playing Kings of War. So uh, yeah, he, he feels like someone that doesn't have to do anything. Like <laughs> I just, I can't really imagine him being like a, like a, yeah, I kind of like that. I do it every once in a while. He, I feel like he's on or off and Kings of War is on. And that is just all, all day, every day. I'm sure. And there's something to be said about momentum in sports. And it's this is not a sport, but I mean, use a sport analogy, right? Where if you're going in, you always want to be hot at the end of the season, right? And not at the beginning where, where often teams that win the World Series or whatever are the teams who enter into the playoffs playing well. And I think when you think about what are the two players and what are the two lists that have played the best I mean, Dustin has won events and crushed people with that list. Jeff O'Neill has been winning events and crushing people with that list. So there's two two players, I think, who in that in the mindset of victory, they're there, right? Both those guys are. So they're entering in the Masters with that sort of momentum pushing them. So it sort of just makes sense that it's gonna that they're gonna find each other. Uh, no, I was just gonna say. You know, Jeff O'Neill's, I think a goblin list is the smart pick, whether it's Jeff or Travis. Um, if there's an imbalance in in the lists, I think it might be goblin rabble uh, hordes just unlocking so efficiently, like every, <laughs> you know, heroes, which are, are the whizzes or bangits. Uh, monsters, which are the the wingets, and and the war machines, um, which this masters is a little bit different. Instead of six indirect war machines, like three mopups and three uh, rock lobbers, it's three rock lobbers and three war trombones. Um, because I think of the the indirect nerf that happened in the Helpies Rift book, and so I, you know. It, it, it's like left to me and and Mike Grant, who um, took the same list as me, to kind of hold up the other end of the, you know, broken BS that is undead. Uh, but, I, you know, I feel a lot better about the Goblin players kind of showcasing maybe a list that's a little too good. I don't know. We'll see what happens. The route, like one unit unlocks three things you want to supplement it. Easily. Right. It unlocks the monster you want that's cheap and supplements it, the character you want that's cheap and supplements it, and the war machine you want that sort of cheap and supplements it. Um, so you are just getting incredibly efficient utility pieces with every big sort of meat shield you buy. Um, and that's how the army is supposed to work. It just might be working a little too well at the moment. Yeah, um, goblins are a whole lot more interesting in this edition than they were last edition. It might just be a little, I don't know, a little out of whack. But we'll see. Yeah. And then in terms of Dark Horse, um, 
it's always a little hard to define like because like you pick someone as a dark horse and they're like well of course that's not a dark horse everyone knows they're amazing and it's like right. it's masters these are mostly good players like it's not some unknown we're gonna pick here <laughs> um but i'm gonna cheat again and pick two because i'm a cheater why not do it um we already talked about him but travis tim i think is is like the other goblin player with that same style list um, that doesn't have as big a name on goblins as Jeff O'Neill, but I think just crushes it. Like he brings goblins out for sort of special occasions like masters and just smashes people and doesn't quite make master. So like, you're not, you're not seeing him in the same light, but I think he could have that breakout year. Um, the list is right for it. He has experience with it. It's, it's sort of like, mountain region a little disrespected kind of you know chip on their shoulder i i see that working for them and can win um and then the other one that i didn't have in my list so because i don't consider anything in my list would can count as a dark horse except maybe garrett um i think uh jeff shokin um so he's a super skilled player uh, out of the midwest out of the same sort of proving ground that has has brought some great players from their before um and he is playing a really compact really just tough abyssal dwarf list again i looked at who has experience with the archetype if not the specific list um and he has been playing dwarves super super effectively over the past couple years so high surge sort of high defense dwarves and this is a variation on that. So it could either be he has switched over to Abyssal Dwarfs and is going to crush it because he has experience and this is the better version, or all of his powers will have gone away and he, he's unpracticed with this list and just threw it on there because it was something he had painted and I'm horribly wrong. But And, and he has see, doesn't he have Siege Breakers in his list? Yeah, yeah, he allies? Allies, yeah, allied yeah, siege breakers. Yeah, that's crazy. And th that's something we didn't talk about, but uh, 11 of the 64 armies have allies, uh, three of which are ogres, and all three ogres are allying the exact same units, yeah. which are two siege breakers and an ASB, yeah. uh, which is interesting. And then five of the 11 allies are nature allies. And despite the fact that there's no <laughs> nature Nobody. mains coming. Yeah, there's no nature coming because they're all allied out. The pool right. was empty. <laughs> the entire the entire forest is just emptied out as mercenary where they've got that <laughs> gig economy side hustle going and can't fight for the real army. Right. Um, but yeah, right. Jeff Shulkin's list, it's it's one of the things we didn't talk about is like defense six is still a thing. <laughs> it is still hard to deal with. Um and you know he's he's bringing a lot of it, um, so. Yeah, um, and if if I could pick a, a second dark horse. Yeah, go uh, for it. I cheated. Since you got uh, two Britain, <laughs> uh, and again, it's it's like it's not really a dark horse because this guy's gone four and zero day one of the last two Masters. I, I'm pretty sure that's true. Uh, Joey Greek, who is bringing night stalkers with my absolute favorite allies of the group which is the wilt father yep uh he's he's walking the walk when i only you know talk the talk on on fanatics about it but that's he has a really good theory of why the will father works in his specific night night soccer list and he's another guy who's been playing 
uh, he hates UB, which is he play he has played on it, and he just you know UB dice is is too much for him. But he's been playing in a lot of uh, in person events, traveling. He's a mid Atlantic player, but he he goes down to the southeast to compete in some of their events, and he just plays a lot in general. And so, I think you know if if you told me Joey Greek is the master this year it wouldn't be a shock because um, like i said he he's gone four and oh day one the last two if, masters and he, so. if we could run a if we could run a one day masters if, if mark <laughs> cox could get six games onto that schedule he would be my shoe-in pick but day day two does exist and day two does not like joey greek and jo- joey's just one of those examples of when we talk about depth of field where like you said uh, maybe he hasn't like won or had top finishes, but it's just a guy who is just really difficult to play against. I played against him almost every year, and he is tough. I mean, he is just really, really, really solid. And like you said, if, if once he puts that day two together, I mean, he's going to be up there in the mix. So that's a good. Yep. And yeah, hopefully he won't wilt day two. Um, <laughs> that was uh, nice. Uh, you know, and we shouldn't let this podcast go by without talking about the reigning master, yep. uh, Eric Trowbridge, who, you know, 100% respect to him, is running it back. The exact same list that he won Masters with last year, the Orc list with three Great Axe Hordes, uh, I think three more Axe Regiments, uh, six individuals, including three Crushers. Um and a couple other pieces, you know, it's, it's still as good as it was last year. Um, I, I think what's, what's interesting to me is one of the weaknesses of that list is it's got six Orkling regiments as chaff. Um, and it was kind of built to beat the, the boogeyman of last masters, which was the six war machine, goblin list or six war machine kingdoms of men list that uh, a couple people took because the last thing war machines want to shoot is either 60 point orklings or you know 21 23 boosted by the war drum 23 25 hordes um, they want to be shooting 15 17 you know really expensive hammer units um, and so that was really a, a, just a great counter meta list for last year and I think it's still an excellent list. Um, and one of, like, Britain, you, you you included him in your seven people you thought could potentially win in your article. Yep. Um, and he, it, it would not shock me at all to, to see him do it again. But I think he's going to be challenged in a different way this year because there's a lot more armies that have just, sh- like, shooting units. Number of units that have shots, I think, is greater in the units that have shooting. And that is always a weakness of lists with a lot of low defense, low nerve chaff is like, for example, Patrick Zora Allen's uh, six school troop list. He always says the worst matchup for that is units not with uh, a lot of war machine shooting or whatever. It's lists with a lot of units that can shoot just like put one or two damage and, and force nerve checks on his chaff. Because if you can wipe out, the chaff, either you know the ghouls in Patrick's case or the orklings in Eric's case, um, early, then the list becomes a lot less scary. And you know he's still got 
three crushers, three mana crushers to bum rush whatever shooting you have, and and he's got a lot of other pieces. Um, but it's it's going to be interesting to me to see the different challenges he's going to have to face this year versus last year. Yeah, I I am also a huge fan of the run back of the just like no one beat it, <laughs> run it again. Right. Run it until someone beats it. I liked it when Pat sort of did that when he played Salamanders all year and then brought Undead back to Masters because they had won it. I, I love that sort of convention from a master if there hasn't been an addition change or a giant nerf. The ability to just say like, okay, people, I get a free swing at it this year. Take take another shot. Um, so I fully respect it just in general, even if the list wasn't still good. But I also think the list is still good. <laughs> Um, it, it is interesting, Kenneth uh, Heisler. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name yeah, right. K- Whatever, Skullface. K2. Yeah, K2. Yeah, Skullface. Um, brought a variant of that list that I think is actually really good as well. It, you know, it is not as focused. It is not singular as singularly focused as Eric's list. It, but it has the same sort of core of great axe, more axe, with chaff. But it it sort of sacrifices some of the some of the stuff to bring in a few more, like it's got a dragon, it's got some other stuff in it. And I think that's sort of a, an interesting, if people at home are looking for a more all comers version of that Eric list, um, that's probably a little easier to pilot and less unforgiving. Um, that That's definitely one to check out. But I, I love that Eric brought the same list. The only reason I'm not sort of straight out picking him is I think it takes so much luck to win Masters um, like the things have to fall your way that to do it two years in a row, I, I just sort of, there's that part of me that thinks you're, you're not going to get it again. <laughs> so. yeah, it's like, you, you know, you, we used the poker analogy earlier, right? To win the world series of poker, you have to have play correctly and then also be incredibly lucky. So to do that two years in a row yeah. is really tough. I just think this time the that one charge that needs to needs to spike or that one nerve roll is going to go the other way when it went the right way this year. Um, but if if he can repeat as master, uh, he puts the work in. The list is really cool and was really innovative. Um, and if he can brought it back again, like props props to someone that could just bring last year's list and, and well, I mean, run, who, who, run the table again so who are the two people that have probably played the most games right is the dungeon right dustin in his dungeon plays all the time and we all know that <laughs> um eric plays all the time i mean those guys play you know and kyle did move down to memphis this year but i know that eric went down there and was hanging out with the memphis guys doing a lot of road trip playing yep. so i know that you know there's he's in the conversation as far as probably he has the most games out of anyone in the whole tournament playing the list that he's bringing. Eric hundred percent has played that the most. Well, you know, I mean, I'm, it's going to be pretty, pretty interesting. Um, for me, I mean that I, those ice elementals are just so good. I mean, it's just, that list is, is, is so powerful. Um, Yeah. Now that we've made your picks, what is, what is yours? And no cheating. You only get one, Jeremy. Okay. Um, <laughs> none, of, none of this nonsense. None of this nonsense. Multiple picks. Um, like some people are doing. Well, I actually think, and I'm I, I am gonna uh, not necessarily make this my uh, my pick because I don't like want Tom to hear it in real time <laughs> me saying it. 
But I've told Tom this, that he, in my opinion, is on the cusp. He's been on the cusp of really making that breakthrough win. I mean, he's last had, year he wasn't. <laughs> well, yes, because I had, you know, he had to, uh, to I kicked him out of that hege- hegemony. And that's why yeah. he's not playing fast lanes anymore. Let me just say, going from Brother Mark to Undead is like going from Diet Coke to crack cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as we all know, uh, uh, in that, you know, who's there's a handful of people playing Vaseline's at Masters and all the people who have in the past have moved on to other things. But that aside, um, I think Tom's undead list is really good. I think there's a reason why Mike is playing that the exact same list. I think that it's the type of list that if it gets a couple things to go its way, it has so many uh, hard hitting tools that you can make someone have a real bad day real fast. And when you are looking at how many lists have either big hordes or big stuff, uh, one way to deal with that is attack volume, right? And what's the best attack volume game, like unit in the game? In my opinion, Soul Reaver Infantry is one of those units, right? Where it's just, not only does it have the crushing, it's just the raw attack. I mean, it's a, it's a horde chewer, I mean, that unit can deal with anything, right? It can deal like 1517, it's going to kill low, lower defense, um, 20, you know, horde type thing. It can, can chew through too. Um, so, but I'm not going to say Tom because then I have to like sense his, his uh, joy. So, um, but I wouldn't be surprised. I, I mean, honestly, Jeff plays in a really competitive meta. I think it's going to be, um, Jeff and Dustin coming down to that, but you know, you never, you just, you just never know, which is a great thing about masters. I will say for dark horse and I'm trying to base kind of go a little bit on like my own personal experience, right? If, if, if it's players and lists that I played against myself and thankfully I had the pleasure to play most people on this list, but I think Keith Randall's list is really nasty, but it's matchup dependent, right? He is playing sort of an elf shooty list with nature, like the dirtiest nature. I mean, his whole army is so dirty. Um, uh, but he's just like, I don't know, Keith is just one of those nice guys who plays a dirty list and somehow you don't hate him when he kills you in two turns. Um, I'm just like, do, oh, okay. Do, do people not hate him? <laughs> oh, I mean, maybe I don't. Maybe, maybe, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm the minority and everyone does hate him. Um, I love but, Keith. He's the list in there to me that's one of the biggest lists that when we talk about luck, we're not only are we talking about dice variants, right? We're talking about scenario and matchup placement that if he gets the matchups and scenarios that work for him, I think that's a list that could go the distance. But if he runs up against Shilkin's list at the wrong time, playing dominate or something, I mean, oh my God, how, uh, that shooting just won't work against that list, I don't think. But but right. in certain scenarios, and if he can navigate the field, I think that's a really powerful list. Yeah, I, I like I like that pick. That's a solid one. I thought you were going Felix Castro, but um, <laughs> I guess I guess you just know loyalty. I love Felix. I was like, Felix, you made it. This we're gonna hang out and. Um, no, I mean, there's so many great players. I mean, like you say, you, you just you, you go straight down the list and it's like, oh, uh, yep, yep. Jeff, I mean, Jeff's come, Jeff Swan's coming off a, 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 a lone wolf victory on a list that people were like, dang, man, that's trash. Yeah, no, I, I went back and a couple months ago, I, I went back and looked at uh, 
who's won the South tournaments since Kings of War began in like 2016. This is another, you know, really productive use of my time. And Dustin and Jeff Swan have won basically two thirds of the tournaments that have been held. Like not two thirds of the tournaments that they've been to. Uh, two-thirds of all the tournaments that have been held in the South from 2016 to 2021. And so, you know, again, like, it's the Masters. The field is just so ridiculously deep. It's it's really, we're doing this before matchup casts, which are coming out. I guess this is going to come out Sunday, Jeremy, so matchup casts will be uh, tomorrow, Monday, and Mm -hmm. Tuesday. So we're, we're doing all this before we know what the matchups are for round one, which is a huge deal. And you know it's just a fool's errand to say to say anything with certainty about any any particular player. Um, exactly, it's just us rifting on you know some stuff that you know these these brilliant minds have uh, uh, noticed or you know seen and. But it's fun. I mean, this is part of this is a fun aspect of the hobby. I think to to think about like Britain said these narratives and storylines and you know what's happening behind the scenes and all. It's really it's it's a it's why the sort of masters. There's always a couple weeks before Masters, right, and a couple weeks after Masters, where you're ruminating all about this uh, cool event. Dude, that that ride home, the ride home where you've entirely ripped up your army and have planned three new projects. <laughs> it's just in just the the like for us, it's a flight home. For others, it's a drive home. But yeah, the the amount of armies that are like, oh, this started at the postmaster's dinner conversation <laughs> and continued on the ride home and then became my next tournament army. Um, because I I love this stuff. The other thing I wanted to mention, I don't know if anyone just has like I don't think it's gonna win. I don't even know if it's gonna do well. I just like applaud the gumption armies. And for me it's it's Drew Gaddy's dwarves, which is like three ranger regiments. And then just Brock Riders. Yeah. Oh, five, five regiments of Brock Riders, one troop of Brock Riders, two dwarfs on Moore's Beast, and a Berserker Lord um, on on Brock, of course. So, like, I don't actually know that it's going to do that well. I would love him to prove me wrong. Don't take anything personally, Drew. But uh, I just love that that's showing up, that someone's just brought, like, a giant pile of Brock Riders after yep. everyone thinks they're trash. Um, so... Good luck to that. I love seeing it. I love seeing just sort of, as I'm scrolling through a lot of these sort of balanced, make sense lists, it's fun to see three Ranger regiments and a bunch of Brock Riders pop up in the in the Dropbox. Yeah, I'm really curious to see, you know, uh, we, you mentioned him earlier just for a second as one of the Basilean players to see how Donnie does. You know, Donnie coming out of uh, Lake Swat area, right? He's running really what we thought would be sort of like kind of the dominant start to a Basilean list back right, right back in the beginning of third, mm-hmm. which is like the triple paladin foot guard regiment with one with defenders plus Panthers palace guard. And then he then running the wonder twins with their, uh, with the dad of the high paladin, Santa yeah. Julius, right? It's the, it's the like 900 points of, of three models basically. And it's interesting but, because this was sort of a space where in the beginning of third, some Basilean players were kind of like, uh, when they were trying to find out why the army is now so trash and to try to find something that works. Uh, this, this was like an area uh, that they thought maybe would be good, question mark? So, Come on. Gur Panthers are great. They are good. Ogre Palace Guard are some of the What I've learned best. over the, the past year of watching other people play Basilea 
is Julius is like the Shobik of Bass Alliance. There, I think he should probably be in every single list because he's just ridiculously tough to deal with. Um, the the kind of you don't even bother trying to kill him because it's not even like points denial. It's not even worth attempting to do it. Right. Well, and Ogre Palace Guard are are straight up one of the best large infantry in the game. They they do exactly what they need to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Like just from a stats and like strength perspective and cost, they're just great. Um, I think the problem is all of you Basilians got used to easy mode of the <laughs> double formation where everything just charges and wins. Just charge everything in the front. It doesn't matter. And, and now that the army <laughs> takes some nuance <laughs> or maybe a different look, you're, you you think it's trash now. Uh, uh, that's what, you know, that's why I went to undead easy mode, right? Yeah. So one of the other cool things that they do at Masters is they do region awards. So I think we're going to, you know, as we get sort of wrapping up the show, I thought it would be uh, cool for us to just uh, uh, talk a little bit about that. What do we think region-wise? Let's just go with, let's start, we'll kind of cover the sort of main, you know, sections. But what about, uh, let's say Battle for Last, right? Hobby, what do we think about Hobby? Any Anyone seeing some some pretty armies? Uh, Dude, I think, we... I hate to say it, but South it's going to be pretty hard to deal with in hobby. Um, Hank Gooch's army is stupidly amazing and I hate him for it. It's, it's that sort of thing that you're just like, I'm so glad that exists in the world. It's everything he makes is just sort of so smooth and clean and cool and creative. It's, it's awesome. I'm a fan. And then it's just like, and backing him up is Jeff Swan, amazing painter. And Dustin, who has been, you know, progressing leaps and bounds and sort of has this fearless painting style where he just goes for it. Um, and his his army looks really good. I don't know as much about the rest of it. Um, someone named Tom Annis, I think, speed painted some filthy undead. Um, but Dylan, like, Dylan is is really, Dylan Murray is Salamander's third. Yeah, right? his army is really nice looking. Yeah, so like, F that region. Uh, they all have great painters. Um, that's just a, a like top four that is going to be hard for anyone to deal with. Um, so the the south is is a rough is a rough team uh, from the hobby perspective. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know not to be a homer, but I do think it it would be surprising if somebody else beat the south in paint. Um, I think it's top eight this year. Well. Mark hasn't finished the pack and it's like two weeks to the event. But um, anyway, I think the latest version of the pack says it's top eight. Um, so everybody counts, but I do think um, even with that, it's going to be tough to beat the South. And it's I know that really Greg is planers. Greg from the Northeast is bring Greg persons is bringing his ogre army, which was the one he did with contrast paints. It looks um, cool though. It's it does look. I know it, it's a total, and I say that not. At, I, I, you know, when we had our army challenge, uh, I voted for. It. It's beautiful, but um, I know like his nature army, as far as like the technical side army, is really, really, really nice. And uh, you know, John Vanoss has a nice army too. Yep. Um, but I yeah, think the, West, the West Coast too. I mean, you guys, uh, you have Mike, who's always a, a great painter and, and hobbyist in general. You obviously, Jeremy, have uh, an extremely pretty army as well as Britain. Uh, the Giants, the, the Giants that he's been the working Giants on, is, and, is and my, the Fight Wagon. 
My what push. are you what are you adding to the fight wagon this year? Do you want to reveal that here or is that a secret? Well, if Kyle would stop talking shit, I was gonna add a little dinosaur. <laughs> but he keeps he keeps, you know, starting little scrabbles, so that dinosaur might be going under a wheel soon. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to – it's basically like I'm going to see how much time I have left because I don't want to be painting in the hotel room, a la Jeremy. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to shove what I can on it uh, once I finish my big chonky giant um, and add a few other things because, like, I, lo- I love Ryan's paint judging. I respect Ryan a lot as a painter. I think he is extremely generous with his time, his critiques, his sort of love of the hobby side is infectious. So um, he judged the core of this army back two masters ago. So I knew I had to bring some like new interesting stuff for him to look at or it would be disrespectful. So I just brought a bunch of big chunky giants that he hadn't seen yet. And just, <laughs> that I'm I mean, furiously painting up. And Tom said it before, but just flat out, he's the best paint judge in the country. I mean, I can't think of anyone that comes close because he's able to judge people's things and styles that he doesn't maybe he doesn't even like that style. But he's still able to put that aside and still judge the the army on the technical paint. And I've never seen that I can think of a a Ryan Smith painted uh, a Ryan Smith paint judge tournament where you're looking at the standings and it's like that doesn't make any sense at all. You know, I mean, he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's awesome. He he may have judged me a little high, you know, <laughs> but uh, in my in my not quite Austin. Um, Kerrigan level, but no, I love Ryan. Ryan's awesome. He's, He's also had my display board for like three years because I asked him to mail it to me, and then it got lost. So it's just sitting with him, and I'm just going to use it again at this Masters. So He's also been making terrain for the event for the past like three months. Ooh, like it's going to be a nice-looking nice terrain. Yeah. So okay. there's best sports too, right? Yeah. So sports, I think, is really interesting. Because who won it last year, right? The Pacific Northwest. And uh, now it's half dojo, so that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you never doubt the power of Ross. I thought the Northeast I one. I thought the Northeast one sports. Or maybe it was two two years ago. Yeah. Was it two years ago? It was two years ago. Okay. Because I I remember the Northeast celebrating, um, which has some like old Warhammer roots, where they were known as sort of the most competitive, not nice people, most sort of a holeish region. And the fact that they're winning best sports was like, look how they have turned that reputation around. And I think they're a good pick again this year. Um, like Chris Murphy, Corey Reynolds. Oh, know, yeah. Greg, Chris Murphy is, is so nice. Yeah. Keith Conroy. Like, uh, yeah. Skullface, K2. It's it's a bunch of just good dudes. It's hard really to vote against guys. that. <laughs> that's the smart pick for sure. Um, that's what I was going to say if, if Britain didn't say it. I do think the Mid-Atlantic, it's got some guys who, so for those who don't know, the Mid-Atlantic, since they didn't have many events this year, they did uh, a lottery. I think they did, it was like top four who qualified based on whatever scoring system they had. And then the the other four were a lottery. And the guys who got in on that uh, are really fun, uh, good good guys and so i think they're going to do really well in sports what is what does that say about the four that didn't get in through the line? oh well the, you know alex chavez he's great everybody loves alex um 
Joey. People, everybody loves Joey. So no, I, I think it's a strong region overall for for sports. Sure. So yeah. And I know we miss. We're going to miss Rashad this year. I mean, people always just are like so happy he's there alive on day two that he'll get good. Yeah. Sports. I was, I was we didn't. Like, we didn't bring our sports ringer from the yeah. west. Uh, I'm just going to miss him just not being there. Just just not being there. He's uh, went to go visit family in Germany. So uh, he would have qualified had um, had he been here and wanted to go. Um, okay, then right then 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 battle. What 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 do we think about battle? Brittany, you want to go first? I feel like I've gone first on the last couple, and okay. you're, just send, you're sending me out to the slaughter on this one. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I it's it's hard not to pick the South just because we've been playing the most, um, and any team that has Aaron Chapman and Dustin and and Jeff Swan um, and some other guys is going to be uh, a handful, I, but I'm not going to pick us. What I'm going to say is uh, what I think is our biggest competition are the Midwest um, and the Southeast, but, but really That's half the field. Well, I, <laughs> I, here's, here's what, <laughs> I don't want to insult Keith Randall. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, I think the Midwest is a great pick for, uh, for best region overall for battle like they're the thing about the Midwest is they're just so deep. Like a lot of the other regions, I think, for example, the mountain region could absolutely produce the master. Um, I think they'll have a tough time winning best general uh, for, for a region, but the Midwest, like every single guy in that region ha- is, is just a really strong general. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about, it, right. Trowbridge, you're you're the champ until you ain't the champ no more. Yeah, Shilkin, Shilkin, he got second. Shan- at Shannon, Para, former Paragon. I mean, you go down and down, and then you get the Mark Taylor, who Mark Taylor uh, won UB event. I mean, he's a great player too. So I mean, that's John a good part. He's won the past two tournaments. He won Bug Eater and he won the Kansas City GT. So he's on yeah. a a winning streak. Uh, I mean, Grant with the All Lohi list, he's been playing a lot, and that's a tough list. Donnie with his Bastlands, he's been. Grinded them out all year, Kyle. And they uh, were they were tied for best. They were last year. That's right. They were tied with the South for which best, which led to one of my favorite Masters <laughs> moments, <laughs> where they were like, "There's a tiebreaker," and I think someone yelled out like "shirtless wrestling" or something. And within I don't even know half a second, like <laughs> some Usain Bolt speed, Mark Cox had his shirt off. <laughs> And was ready to to like challenge their whole team, <laughs> and their whole team looked like down for it. But just behind him at the same time was Dustin Howard, like standing up, to, you know, to his <laughs> enormous frame. So it just from where I was sitting, it was just this very funny moment of like Mark Cox standing there shirtless. I don't even know how he got it off that quick. He he is a practiced man. Mm-hmm. And, Sure, a very particular challenges. set of skills. <laughs> yes, he's a man with a very particular set of skills, and one of them came out there, and and then they announced the actual tiebreaker in the South one. But like, yeah, it was just one of those great like end of a GT. You're kind of relaxing, and it was just hilarious. So, um, but they were tied, so it, it was you know, hair, thin thin margin last year, and 
they have a strong team again. So mm-hmm. looking at all this stuff, it's like cool to, to, you know, pick lists and think about this and that. But really, the, the coolest part of Masters is this is the one tournament in the year where you're going to see people from everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's not just that, like what we've talked about, right, Britain, where it's the the group and then a couple travelers. You're going to see, this is the one time of year that you know you're going to see your buddies from New England. You're going to see your buddies from Florida or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's just something really special about that. Yeah, for battle, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the predictable South. Um, I think... Tom brought a good army this year, so he won't be dragging them down and it won't be as close. <laughs> Cause like you you basically are the one that made that close last year. Just... Yeah. Yeah. Mark Mark did come over to me after game three or I lost my third game and he's like, What are you doing? <laughs> like, Hopefully that doesn't happen this year. Like the rest of us haven't lost that many yet together. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Um, yeah, I mean, you're playing a real army this year. You're you're playing an army you've played with. You can't do as bad as last year. So um, I think that will boost South's overall score. Um, and and you're no Mercs. So I just hope I get know. to play Tom and just be able just to being like, you know, I'm going to show you what happens when you leave the hegemony. Because either way, <laughs> I win. And it'll yeah. be all like, this is what you deserve. And then I'll lose and be like, yeah, this is why you left the hegemony because yeah. this army sucks balls and you're playing a real army now. Yeah. So either way, <laughs> I, I win is how I view it. So, well, awesome, fellas. I, you know, I really appreciate you guys coming on. Again, uh, if you're hard pressed to find two more uh, uh, interesting Kings of War minds in the community. So I really pre- appreciate you guys coming on. Um, as we wrap up, uh, I know Britain, you're working on the, the giants, a little bit fight wagon. What about you, Tom hobby wise? Are you going to look good? Do you have any last minute things you're, you're painting or, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm painting my zombies, uh, so two zombie regiments and I have about half of them done. Just need to finish the other half in the next 14 days or so. No um, problem. No problem. Yeah. They're zombies. They're easy. Uh, yeah, I've I've done my traditional take the week before the GT off of work. In the past, it has always been to finish an ungodly amount of models with no time. And I'm like staying up till five in the morning and uh, cramming stuff in. And, and this year I'm feeling sort of OK about it. So, um, yeah, I think I'd, I'll have time to add some embellishments, and fix some stuff and, and whatever and, and not be stressed and underslept and painting in the hotel room until two hours before the first game starts. <laughs> so, that's the worst. Um, so I, I live 15 minutes from the venue. So if anybody that's coming in, forgot something needs, needs something, feel free to, to hit me up and I'll do you try have, to help you out. Do you have like eight bazillion spearmen for Jeremy? I that, do have that's a bazillion whore. That's what he's going to need. Name on it. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause you're not doing, Ooh, you're not doing Rordia. So that means that that unit is not being used then. Yeah. Well, I J- like Brendan. Jeremy just stopped painting. I got to tell myself I didn't hear that because that's my brush, brush, brush down. <laughs> <laughs> but I like you, Britain. I have the, um, I was going to leave. I'm, I was going to leave on Thursday anyway. And, and with how 4th of July falls, Monday is the holiday that I have on work. So I was only going to work two days. 
Tuesday and Wednesday. So I took those off as well. But pretty much all that I have left on the spears, they're all base coated, washed, even they're already starting to be highlighted. So it, it's pretty much the last couple of hours per model of the fun stuff. Yeah. So I've been I've been pounding out, you know, one to three models a day. And I think I have like 15 left. So as long as I just uh, keep painting, I, I really I want this to be the first tournament I've ever fly to where I didn't have to bring paint <laughs> with me. It feels uh, so I, much better to fly with an army and not a hobby desk. Yeah, I've never I've never gone to a tournament that I didn't have to either bring my stuff or go buy paint and uh, be up in the in the room trying to, you know, as Brinton knows, create enough light for you to paint. So you're pulling the lamps and the lights from all the different ways in the hotel room to get one little nook uh, well lit. But this year I really want to, um, even though, I mean, last year was pretty fun. We had the uh, the hobby day set up where uh, Brinley and I were like hanging out painting and a good way to see people. But I really want to um, get there. And this is a unit that's been like, I've been spent so long because I've tried to make each individual infantry guy painted to the best possible level that I can do. And the reason why I didn't rush to finish it in Lone Wolf is I really don't want to, um, I've already spent so much time now. It seems like a shame to cut that at the last minute. So I'm kind of excited that I'll be hopefully, it's like other people are like, I'm so excited to display this new army at Masters. And it's like, I'm so happy to display this one regiment that I've spent four months painting. Um, That's how we roll. Um, because I'm painting giants, it means like you you get into this weird spot as like an obsessive painter where you're like, I've spent a lot of time highlighting this giant's butt cheek. <laughs> <laughs> like I've spent a lot of time on this butt cheek it, and you start really questioning your life decisions. Like my wife walked by and looked at it and was like, that giant is kind of disgusting looking. I'm like, yeah, it's supposed to be. She's like, you've spent a lot of time painting something that looks really ugly. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like there's zero, like you're you're spending a lot of time making something unattractive look more unattractive. <laughs> so it's it's a weird it's a weird obsessive hobby we have, but I love it. So I need advice, Britton. What do I watch on the home stretch? Oh God, yeah. I mean, I I was watching a lot of different stuff, and I'm I'm falling back to my old standbys of just like let's watch Band of Brothers again. Like there's always the like band of brothers into the Pacific. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good, you know, 20 hours of content for your, your home stretch. Um, and I then was... the show, have you watched the show hacks? No, I have not. I'm not, I don't think I've even heard of that show. Hacks hacks is amazing for all of you out there. It's a, a comedian from LA moves to Vegas to work with like an old comedian. Oh, I think um, I have seen a, a trailer for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's stupid. Good. Okay. It's like my favorite show on television right now. It's one season. You'll crush it quickly. So it's not great as a painting show, but I, I loved it. I think I was going to go old school cheese and maybe do Stargate, the TV show. Oh, I can't. I can't. I, can't. I, I know. I know you can't roll with that. So no. uh, I love uh, the movie. So I might do that. Or, you know, Marvel's always like the Marvel movies is always a, a, a good, you know, fallback on even though. And then the other fallback for me is The Wire. Sure. Or, or the Sopranos. Just like, just start the Sopranos again. Uh huh. <laughs> oh man, that show's so good. <laughs> so many good shows, man. 
Well, cool, fellas. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I'm excited to uh, uh, hear about you. Oh, why did I say that? <laughs> um, um, okay. That needs to stay in. I don't care, Rob. <laughs> I don't care I don't what know. you think, I Rob. I, I said that. Hear about you. You know, you know why you said it. You miss us. <laughs> I do. Well, I mean, I was thinking about like seeing and hearing and the full experience that is you guys. That I was like, maybe I got sort of just distracted by the thought of your essence. <laughs> now, okay, now it's getting really weird. Well, thanks again for coming on. Uh, super fun as always. We're going to Rob will be on site at Masters with the Countercharge Live Studio set up. So we'll be recording a bunch of content for you guys. Um, we'll also be continuing getting snippets from for our episode 500 um, and Masters. We got a lot of really cool stuff planned for that episode. And then also for moving forward, uh, uh, there's a countercharge survey right now on the Facebook page. So take some time. Uh, take a look at that survey. Um we have some ideas of what we want to do to grow the show past 500 to keep it interesting, to keep it uh, fresh, and to um, uh, keep the show going for you guys. Um, so make sure to fill out that survey if you haven't. And then just stay tuned. Rob will be uh, editing and putting together all the Masters event coverage um, pretty quickly after we get back um, from Masters. And again, you know, Masters is an invitation tournament, but it's a really amazing scene if you want to to qualify for Masters or just get into the tournament scene in general. You know, just find your local group on Facebook, you know, reach out to any of the Masters chairs, shoot me a direct message if you're unsure, you know, who your chair is. Move to California. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you want uh, someone who would be so happy to have a real-life person to play with, yeah. Um, and you have buku amounts of moolah to live here, please move to Napa, be my friend. Uh, I have to put like a personal, like a single, a single, a single white man looking for uh, kings, kings of war partner who also enjoys walks on the beach and hugs. So, um, but anyways. do you want to be thoughts? part of? Do you want to be part of my hegemony? Yeah, do you want to be part of my yeah <laughs> of, of my hegemony? It's tough, man. I just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know where to begin. I just want to give you a hug every time we talk about it. <laughs> it's hard, man, because I, it's, and it's a lot of it's just you, you can't, you only have a, a certain amount of time, right? So I, it's hard to, to, you know, do my own hobby, do the stuff for the show, go run demos. It's just really tough. And then like when Britain was here or, uh, uh, we've had other players who at least would, would kind of want to take up the mantle of running the scene as well. And we have that, we just don't have that here, but in, in the reality, it's like if, if I only get games in every couple of months, when I go spend the weekend at Scott's house or I drive up to Reno in the scheme of things, that's not incredibly different from how it was because Britain and I wouldn't play every week either, but it's still tough when it's like, Hey, I feel like playing today. Yeah. No, and I, I, I straight up abandoned you. Um, and I would I would feel worse about it if it wasn't so great down here. So, sorry. <laughs> yeah, he sends pictures of like, oh yeah, I'm at, uh, I'm down at Scott's house. You know, we're we're hanging out, and there's people in the hot tub, and oh, the weather's amazing. Just and, getting a casual game of Kings of War in, like we just, haven't had for a year and a half. Yeah, just getting a little, <laughs> just getting a little game in, you know. And I'm so. in my house by myself, you know. But, 
but it's cool. I have so many miles. I'm, I'm building so many miles on my Southwest account. Eventually it'll be just like, I want to fly to anywhere. And it will be like, I'll use my points. Um, especially since now Southwest flies to Hawaii. So we're taking that to Maui for our honeymoon. So that's going to be an adventure flying Southwest over an ocean. So hopefully you'll, you'll hear from me after that. So the muni of the sky. Exactly. But to me, it's just more miles to use for when I f- fly to Texas for Texas tournament. So. <laughs> well, I'm excited to see you guys. Uh, I'm excited to see everyone um, at Masters. And, you know, as always, remember to keep counter charging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Counter Charge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.